This week I, uh, it seemed like it took me longer than usual to get a sense of direction of where to go this morning for a message. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I guess it's probably something that can just vary between our situations and our assessments and discernment. But I'd like to uh, use the remainder of the time we have here this morning by way of a message to just area of life, um, that relating to our speech, our words, our, you know, how we express ourselves. Um, scriptures have a fair amount to tell us about that, to, to warn us, to caution us, and um, as I think about, you know, sometimes we as brothers and sisters have our own duties to exert or exercise caution in our speech, how we say things, what we would say, what's the impact of those things. And and I was inspired, if you care to turn there, turn to Psalm 19. Very familiar passage again. I won't take the time to read it here for the sake of time, but I would just draw to our attention and remind us this morning of, of the groupings of the writer here, as he brought to our attention, was inspired to cause us to ponder the works of creation, the things about us. And then in the latter part of the psalm, he goes into a number of verses that reflect on the law of the Lord. In a sense, draw a great deal of our understanding, our comprehension of God and His expectations for us is his creation from those two aspects of of the world around us his creation he has placed us in and from his word that which gives us directives but then um, as a launching point for the message the last verse of this psalm says let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight you know, it's, as we look around us and we sense what he's teaching us from his word, I can just see the, the psalm writer was struck with that challenge. In light of all this, what's to come out of my mouth? What's the purpose of it? Where does it come from? What foundation does it come from? For referring to the heart. Um he had the desire that it would be acceptable in his sight. I want to look at just to refer to a few scriptures in the New Testament here going forward. We have in this verse the challenge of measuring our words. One of the things that I've, I was challenged in, maybe not a totally new way, but maybe in a bit of a new way, what is the, that I need to ask myself, what is the purpose of my words? In other words, the scriptures warn us general terms, specific terms about different things. But one of the things that come out to me as I pondered that was, what are the purposes of the words I speak? Um, uh, Brother Luke, if you would, 
try to remember and remind me, I failed to share that other statement. Pick up here. Uh, turn to Ephesians, a couple verses there in chapter 4 and verse in chapter 5. Talks about the, the need for us to measure our speech. It says here in chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. It goes on there to talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. That into that concept. But then down in chapter 5, verse 4, we read these words, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read these words in, in chapter 12, verse 30. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account. There. I found it interesting there. The word account there in Matthew is actually the, the same logos. That expression by which we give, we will be given an account for it. Um, <clears throat> and so I want to look uh, at, a, at a number of, uh, perhaps you could call them, then um, uh, want to look at some of the positive aspects speech, them of the word in counseling us regarding our speech. Let's look at a number of the references in Proverbs. It's quite amazing how much is, is uh, referred to there and warning us, directing us in that regard. And I want to begin in, in chapter 11, verses 9. Here it brings out both aspects, that of which our words have the potential to to lift up and also to, or build up and also to tear down. Verse 9 reads, And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. And then down in verse 11, By the blessing of the upright the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth. One of the reasons that the scriptures help us to understand the importance of our speech, the imperative that it be um, spirit-guided, is that as you ponder speech and the variations of it, the reasons we say certain things, it becomes apparent that if, if it is an exercise or an expression of the spirit leading in our life, or if it, is, if it is an exercise or pursuit of, of the flesh. And, um, you know, thankfully we don't hear it very often, but from time to time we get in situations where <clears throat> cursing, swearing. And if you stop and think, you know, it's interesting how in the flesh man can come to a point to think that in a certain moment of, of frustration or anger or whatever that you can add certain choice words into a phrase and somehow be the better for it. As I was pondering the negative aspect of unrighteous language, unholy language. I find it interesting in culture, and it, 
I don't have a conclusive study on this because I didn't have a long time to, to pursue it, but I found it interesting that most profane, evil phrases to curse someone else with have to do with a very negative and often um, demeaning sexual nature. Even in, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's in English or Italian or French or Spanish. A lot of that is, that gross vulgarity is re regarding um, making someone feel that, or making someone understand that you feel like they are a worthless creature that you've chosen to describe them with. And yet, society around us is having subtly embraced many of those terms either carelessly or uh, thinking maybe they'll use a milder form of those terms. I want to try to... My growing up days, and there's, I'm sure, the older ones here than I could could probably give us some terms that were used through the years, even in our circles, that were not, should we say, or could we say, not all that bad. But sometimes it's easy for us to embrace terms that while they are not in that startling parameter that we hear on the street sometimes, but they are... Uh, by the same token, used in a reason for the reason or purpose of to bring another situation or a person down. Um, I had to think of one that come to my mind that would probably be considered quite racist today. Yet it was one we heard. I'm not sure. I may have used it sometime in my past as well. But the term cotton picking expressing something that thing was and if you think about it that's not extreme but what's the purpose of it it does have a, a demeaning insinuation to it and so i use that you know i've struggled in in wanting to to try to convey some of the importance of some of these terms this morning and i hardly know how to do it in the form of a because if I put it up here on a chalkboard, the people that are hearing aren't going to know what I'm referring to. And some of them I could spell out, but I think the important thing is that we capture and, and refresh our minds on the purpose of these words. And then as we're mindful of the Spirit, we'll be able to discern, are those things of virtue to be cast aside? <clears throat> One of the aspects of destructive uses of speech here we find in in Proverbs, quite a number of places. Now, just if you care to follow along, let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. We have references here to lying. The use of words to lie. Here he says, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. And going back to chapter 6 of Proverbs, verse 17 and 19. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. The focus here in these verses is the aspect of lying being brought out. 
destructive uses, harmful, that for which we will have to give an answer. In chapter 10, verse 18, we read these words, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth, uttereth a slander is a fool. Here we're challenged, you know, we seek to restrain ourselves in certain regards wisely. But at the same time, here he reminds us that there is, there is merit to speaking the truth in love, to not deceive, to not cover up that which is, which is real, which is there but that which would be upbuilding. And, and now over in Proverbs 26, a couple of verses here between verses 24 and following. This brings out another root problem here in this verse. It talks about those that utilize a lie. A utilization of a lie is actually an expression of hate. You might think, well, why do you get that? But you stop and think about it. Um, even a child that would decide to, for the uh, purpose of getting what they want done or ha uh, having something come to pass the way they pr would prefer, they are tempted to and they succumb to lying. Well, they wouldn't say they hate their parents or there are others they lied to. But they're basically putting themselves above truth, before truth. And in that, in that sense, it is a form of hate. And here we see that in verse 24. <clears throat> he that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. And he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. The concept of the impact of flattery. <clears throat> what is the purpose of a lie? It is to obtain something, evil motive, to deceive. There are scriptures in um, Revelation, there's two passages there that talk about those that would receive eternal punishment and it refers to those that maketh a lie or he that maketh a lie and um, this week a uh, picture was sent and one of the grandsons had come up with a I had to think this morning as I was meditating I said well I thought you know he in a sense he made a lie but he took a piece of PVC pipe and he made a little trap door on it and they put it out in the field and he caught a rat and a mouse in there together he made something look deceitful look like a good place to enter in look like a, a nice place to go something that would interest those rodents and yet in that sense he made a lie words with the intent to deceive there shall know in what? Let me back up. Revelations 21, 27 says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
In chapter 22, verse 15, it makes another reference. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. There's something to the pure in heart that when we hear someone unashamedly for evil purposes make a lie, it's something that's, that turns because there's no care, there's no love we have. And yet these are things not uncommon to us as men. As men and women, as, as we rear our children, it becomes very apparent that they are they come to understand the concept of misrepresentation, blatant untruth, and how we, by God's grace, can help them to be challenged to deal with that in a redemptive way. The words counsel and giving us wisdom also warn us against the concept of, of flattery. We all like to be encouraged, don't we? But the, the interesting part of flattery as well is that there is a sense of deceitfulness in it. The deceit of the purpose of it. To We understand what the term means to butter up, right? make that feeling come over someone that they are just what they ought to be. But we as God's people should have a growing desire to not be void of compliments, but to compliment one another as God's creation, as those that are called and, and desiring to worship Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him. Proverbs 26, 28. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. You know, flattery can give someone, of course, a carnal sense of fulfillment. Build them up. And yet many times others may not see it that way. And it can be a crushing. It can be a form of control to make people feel a certain way about themselves that you feel toward them. The uh, proverb writer refers to it as something that the, the uh, <coughs> pardon me, the um, adulterer used, adulteress there in chapter 6, verse 24. Perhaps we'll go ahead and look at those. In seducing the victims, He writes, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. Chapter 7, 21 refers, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield, with the flattering of her lips she forced him. Those expressions of, of words that are unjust, um, they are like lying in, in many respects because both the user and the the user is seeking by unjust gain to obtain something, but then the receiver of it is tempted to be built up in the flesh and not in holiness. Two of the areas I want to look at that are general areas that we face challenges in. I uh, referred to profanity already. I want to look at that later, but 
Scripture talks about the impact of what we do say regarding gossip and uh, Proverbs 11. God is gracious in reminding us other means of our weaknesses. And the writer here says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And it's sobering, you know, how many times, yes, maybe we've by and large concealed the matter, but what about those times we didn't? Our hearts to realize that. Over in chapter 17, verse 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. One thing to seek reconciliation, to make things right, and you did bringing up of um, of sin. You can have a long. Sometimes it would seem so natural to the flesh to be able to share something. The scriptures help us to understand that in many cases, strife. In verse 27 of chapter 16, he says, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Again, words uttered from a spirit of unholiness, ungodliness. Let's go over to chapter 26, 22. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as a wound, as wounds, and they go down in the innermost parts of the belly. It points out the the importance to to seek by the grace of God to guard ourselves from from these mistakes because they cause hurt. They cause. Um, we'll look in chapter twenty five yet on this subject of the God, the asked of verses nine and ten. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discuss thy secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine end. The encouragement here to address things properly, to allow them to be a blessing to others, and not. Talked a little bit about the aspect of, of profanity. In the Old Testament, some of the illustrations that were used of bringing judgment upon one had to do with their attitude toward parents. Um, <clears throat> here in chapter 20, verse 20, Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. We understand that there was very strong consequences of um, brought upon that. In Exodus, it refers to that. In Leviticus, it was a capital offense. It was it merited death, and I'm sure it had a, a significant impact on the culture of that day and society to understand that were you to go there, it would have. We are today not under the law in that regard. We are under grace, 
The challenge is ours. How do we teach the virtues and the values of, of sound speech, carefulness, when, when there are not such stark sentences for such behavior? I believe, you know, with as parents with children, there needs to be consistency. There needs to be some relevant discipline to bring a child into alignment with the fact that they will not continue time after time to <clears throat> be told no and, and to pers persevere. They are expressing one of the forms of, of words that are for the purpose of the flesh. <clears throat> I invite you to go to James. I was blessed this past week in looking at uh, another aspect in, in uh, chapter 5 of James, but to begin with, let's look in chapter 3. James had a interesting way of <clears throat> challenging us in understanding the implications of the wrong expression of the tongue. Uh, this is quite a number of verses. I'm not sure read all of these. Maybe it merits it, though. I think it, yeah, let's begin in verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to body. Behold, we put bits in the horses that may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a big vine, figs? So can no man... And so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, then lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them. Carries that contrast of beyond the illustrations of the tongue there in verse 12, but it carries it into the practical application and practical expression of that which comes forth in our lives and expressions. We have been blessed in so many times and ways by constructive uses of 
speech that conveyed a message of hope, of brotherhood, of encouragement, of sorrow, of sympathy, good words, words of righteousness. The scriptures describe them as a well of life, as choice silver, words that feed many. Pleasant words are described like a honeycomb, and um, they they bear a sense of, of uh, fulfillment and building up in our lives. <clears throat> Chapter sixteen, verse twenty-four of Proverbs speaks to this: "Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones." You know, pleasant words are appreciated a lot. But if the spirit of an individual is bent on the flesh, there is, it is easily seen as not allowing enough expression to, to defend their position, to strive for their goals, and yet encourage us to focus on those words of comfort Chapter 12, verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. How many times have we been encouraged in a difficult time by somebody's word of encouragement? Good words reveal the, the heart of those. Scriptures tell us that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, and out, speaketh, and out of, out of um, what we're full of we will have more. One of the things we think about when we think about controlling our speech is the timeliness of it. We have probably all thought of saying something at one time or another and then decided, I better not. And now we may be completely right in our assessment, but either way, it's our duty to discern, to seek God's leading in discerning that. And um, the proverb writer doesn't leave that out of his assessment either. In chapter 15, verses 23, we read, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season. How good is, is it? How good is it? Um, again, a reference to... Down in verse 28 of that same chapter, he says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. When we think of the heart of the psalm here this morning that we looked at in Psalm 19, the concept of the words of our mouths, the meditation of our heart, being that which is acceptable in his sight, it helps us to understand the virtues that God has called us to, the needs for those controlled words. Where do we get guidance to control our words? In chapter 13, verse 3, he says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Down in chapter 15 of Proverbs, verse 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of Sometimes 
Um, we are inclined, probably most of us, to feel more free to express ourselves in certain settings, at home, with our families, and so forth. But I yet, I bring back to my attention and your attention, regardless of how comfortable we feel, what is the purpose of those words? Controlled words have an interest in preserving the life of those they speak to as well as the one who... Controlled words have the ability to diffuse a volatile situation. Whether it's the way we speak words or the choice to not speak at that moment in a certain way, to not express a certain... Controlled words, as we're spirit-led, help us to reveal true knowledge and understanding. Many times where there is controlled words, there is a control. I'd like to look at a couple verses, one in particular yet here in, in bringing these things to a, thoughts to a close. Colossians chapter 4. Quite a bit to say about the dangers of it's Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul writes, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And later in First um, Thessalonians 5.11, he also writes there, he challenges us to seek to comfort ourselves together. He says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So we can see quite a contrast of um, the purpose of the words of the child of God versus the words of flesh. And so, yes, in dealing with the younger generation and training them up, maybe that's something we can seek to do to hold up to them the, the impact, the effect. Not just tell them that you shouldn't do that, but to help them to grow in their understanding little by little as to what are the consequences of lying. What what actually makes you lie? What makes you say those things that aren't true? What makes you say those things that make others feel uh, less? What makes you say those things that seek to destroy that, that which is around you? And sometimes, you know, even we've probably in, in moments of seriousness, but almost... Uh, a sense of amusement at the expression of frustration toward an innate object. Something that has no control over what it is doing, and yet it is the recipient of frustration. I'm glad this morning that, again, we can analyze, be reminded of the purpose of those words, and, and for us as families and, and parents, Times change, generations change, but there are words out there that may not sound extremely, um, but there are some that are built on very evil, sinful perspectives. And so I, uh, perhaps with time, there can be some further discussion on some of those. It's so easy to, to see, even in the world around us, how they have a different level of speech off the record, and whether it's in politics or other scenes, they, they seek to present themselves in a certain way, and yet if they 
or in a different audience, then they might use a similar word in a in a watered down fashion. Uh, may God give us wisdom to to measure our speech that it that it stand forth and seeking to honor Him and that as well. Perhaps we could have a song at this time. <laughs>